Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Andrew Beam. And I'm Corey Dempsey. So we're doing a little bonus episode here, and it's going to be on the top five, I guess, MMA fights uh, in 2020. 2020's year in terms of combat sports is fascinating. The UFC trying their darndest to just not let the pandemic disrupt anything. Um, trying to do a show on an Indian reservation to avoid any sort of regulations whatsoever that would be applied to them because of the pandemic, which was a, which that was a troublesome. Disney had to step in. I believe the governor of California and I think other senators, people from Congress, had to step in and say, please don't do that. But anyways, there were some amazing fights that happened before it and then some really, really interesting and complete and undeniable wars that happened uh, during the pandemic age that it just had me thinking that for some reason this year really stood out in terms of, you know, absolute battles that we've seen, just wars of attrition that occurred uh, inside the cage. And undeniably, you know, the Zhang Wali versus Yuan Jacek fight from, I think it was a UFC 248, yes. which happened before the pandemic. Right. Everyone, everyone regarded that as probably the fight of the year. Pretty much was wrapped up in the first quarter of the year. Uh, but then after UFC 256, Brandon Moreno versus Davidson Figueredo for the flyweight title, which was earlier this month in December, I almost thought that that could be the potential contender that that could possibly be the one that was the fight of the year. So I kind of brought this idea to Corey where we would look at, well, we were going to only do five fights just for the sake of time. We were going to do it another night, but then we got too drunk. And But then, you know, sort of thought about it a little bit more, and I was like, you know, I don't want to just do UFC. Let's do a Bellator fight because there was one Bellator fight that really stood out this year, Patchy Mix versus Juan Archuleta at Bellator 246. Um, yeah, I mean, so there were just some really good fights and I said to Corey, why don't we just watch them all and really kind of get our general feeling? Let's not just go off a feeling throughout the year. Let's, let's, let's kind of study these a little bit. Yeah. And I think it was a fascinating exercise to kind of go back through and I've never, I've always watched these UFC fights with you just as kind of a casual observer, like, oh, this is fun. This is a fun thing to do together as bros. Um, but just watching people just absolutely, absolutely destroy each other inside yeah. of a cage. Yeah. And I mean, you were always super into it. So I was just like, you know, I'll, I'll support this. I'll, <laughs> I'll be here with you and we can watch this I'll and that's fun. This. Um, but this time, you know, when we were rewatching these, I was like really like focused and like trying to dissect the fights and what was happening. And I've never really watched it that closely. And it was just, uh, it was really cool for me to watch it with such intent and watch it with such a close eye trying to figure out like, all right, who actually won? Why did they win? Cause they were all they, so close. They were all like, except one, that I think was very clear who won. I yeah. think all the rest were just, you know, a complete toss up and, you know, knowing the results, but then trying to figure out why did the judges judge this the way that they did? It was just a really fun exercise for me as kind of a more casual observer. Yeah. The one thing about these, these sort of fights where it's, it can be, it's sort of, you know, they're very close, 
but it's when they keep up and what I feel like the criteria almost has to be is they keep up this pace almost for the entire fight or at least they don't fucking quit even if they are exhausted and there's just always a very clear storyline there's these it has these sort of peaks and valleys for each of the fighters that go on throughout the fight and it's one of those ones where you want to keep watching because you want to see how it ends where you just you you really just don't know how it's going to end until you hear the result yeah. um yeah and just i just feel like i don't know why this year it really stuck out where i could just pick out spe- these specific fights that we watched as just just for memory too like not even having to see other lists um so what what ones did we watch so we're going to go through these in chronological order in terms of when they occurred this year. And we'll be discussing, you know, each one in a little bit of detail, you know, a couple minutes on each one, just talking about the flow of the fight, how it was, our reactions to it. And then at the end, we'll just kind of declare what we felt was ultimately the fight of the year. And we'll also... Uh, reserve a space for a special shout out to a particular warrior from 2020. Um, so the first one that we're going to discuss was way back in February <laughs> of 2020. Seems like uh, the one time I went skiing. I remember ago. it. I literally this. I went skiing on this day, and I remember coming home, and it was an afternoon fight. Yeah. So the first one we're going to discuss is Dan Hooker versus Paul Felder. Being what were your what were your initial feelings when you first watched it? It was kind of, I, I think I remember like standing <laughs> in in the living room in which we were recording, just watching it, just being amazed because there's something about, I didn't know too much about Dan Hooker, I, or at least I hadn't seen him in a fight like this. I could be wrong, but I always just knew Dan Hooker as he was a good fighter, a very capable fighter and and, and, and one that came from city, uh, city kickboxing out in New Zealand which is home to Israel Adesanya, um, the, fuck, what is it, middleweight champion? Yeah, he's middleweight champion. I believe so, yeah. yeah. middleweight champion of the UFC. And then Alexander Volkanovsky, who is, um, sorry, the champion at in the uh, Bantamweight, or no, sorry, the featherweight division. Um so there was just some really good fighters that, that, that came out of there, out of that camp, and, and Dan Hooker being one of them, you know, he 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 had the ability to be, you know, something something really good in in this in this uh, in the UFC and and Paul Felder man, he he ha- I mean he's also a very good fighter. I think he's a little step behind others, but the man's will to win or just to fucking fight is undeniable. So that's not Philly, dude. Yeah, and and, and I just kind of you know knowing that about that, I was excited about this fight, and it fucking delivered. I felt like because. You literally got to the end of it, and you were just like, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I have no idea who won this fight. Yeah, when when we watched it, I didn't watch it the first time around. Um, I don't know what I was doing, but I didn't watch it the first Other time Other people around. have lives, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't revolve around <laughs> UFC fights. Um, but the first time around, I didn't watch it. When we rewatched it for this, I've, I've watched it two times now. The first time, you know, I felt like... The first two rounds were actually just more of a kind of chess match, a little bit back yeah. and forth, not super high pace. But then the last three rounds were just incredible stuff where 
the pace was so high. It was so back and forth. You know, I felt like they were spinning shit. Yeah. I mean, Felder was throwing so many spinning punches and elbows. It was unbelievable. And, you know, at the end, the 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 post fight interview that Dan or that um, Paul Felder gave was just so emotional and retiring, like really well, sort of retiring. Yeah, like very, very affecting and emotional. And I just really felt I felt great about that guy. I mean, he just went through this. He just went through this huge battle and just being so reflective and so complimentary about Dan Hooker, someone who, you know, in the, in the fight lead up, he was constantly talking shit about. They were, they were talking some mad shit. Well, like I, Paul Felder didn't really, it was, he, I forgot exactly what it was he said and Dan Hooker took offense to it and just carried that with him into this fight. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things where these fighters just kind of create uh, motivation for themselves. What is it called? Bulletin board material? Yeah, bulletin board material (laughs) where it's not really offensive. It's just like, what can I take to motivate myself? But immediately after the fight, Felder was just so complimentary of Hooker. And you could just really feel the emotion on both sides after going through that war together. And they both were just like, Oh man, that was, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and I feel like that happens with most fights. Most, there are still some where they fucking hate each other. I feel like it's sometimes almost everyone who's fought Conor McGregor, but um, he's a hateable guy. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, the, you just, there's just a weird bond that you, that I feel like is formed. You know whether you even like each other after the fight or not. You're still, you're you're still bonded with that person through this this absolute war, um, and this one this one was one of them. And it had and it had the storylines of just like it, of mainly it just being back and forth, just being so back and forth that it was really hard. To, you know, Dan Hooker fit. You know, kind of sneaking in a lot of different punches and just you know, Paul Felder just like, like, you know, doing those, just swinging wildly and just really swinging for the fences in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really amazing back and forth fight. Uh, this one was a definite, like, you know, uh, just going back to that, it was an, it was a war of attrition. It was just whoever was, <laughs> who's going to be able to stay standing. Right. And they both did and they both survived. And at the end of the fight, it was one of those where you're not, I'm not, it's, abs- yeah. it's not totally clear who should win. And at the end of the day, you know, Hooker won by a split decision. And when you look at it, it's like, yeah, that I. I and a lot fine. of people thought Felder. I personally thought Felder won the fight. And I still kind of feel that way after watching it. I just feel like he landed more um, in terms of maybe the more impactful shots. I think we were talking about Hooker had that. And he had a couple takedowns that sealed it for him right at the end. Right. And so it's one of those where the split decision like. You might have feelings one way or the other, but you can't really be mad at the judges calling no. Hooker to win because it was such a great back and forth fight. Yeah. So what's the next one? So the next one is Wiley Zhang versus Joanna Yandrechik. Joanna Yandrechik. All right, I, I was close. Yeah. Um, and that was from March of 2020, right before the pandemic closed everything down. no protocols whatsoever being followed everyone was real weird about it except for israel desenya who was just kind of like I'm from nigeria like <laughs> yeah and this fight was incredible um i again did not watch this the first time around um so being what what was this one like when you first watched it 
I mean, it was one of those ones where you didn't like. It's this is it's super cliche. You didn't want to blink. They were just throwing down. I and here's the other thing. It was one of those fights where I just you haven't seen a female fight like this, or at least there's not many of them. And this was where the pace was kept up for. I don't understand how they, like, for literally all five rounds. All five rounds, it was just pedal to the metal. There was just no breathing. You are like, you just couldn't catch your breath throughout this fight. I was absolutely amazed. Like, I immediately thought, I'm like, this is not only, like, the fight of the year. This is quite possibly, like, one of the greatest fights of all time. Yeah, I mean, when we watched it together, I was breathless like it was <laughs> it was remarkable how hard that they were going at one another and it was just such a tough fight and then you know the big thing was that hematoma on Joanna's forehead that Dude. just kept growing steadily throughout the fight and by the end she, she morphed into like a Klingon an, yeah she looks like an alien at the end <laughs> but she's still like She's still standing, and it's like, how how did you just go through that, and how are you still able to talk? Like after the after the fight, she's perfectly cogent and like clear, and but everything eloquent. hurt. She yeah, like admitted that it, everything hurt. I believe it. It looked like everything <laughs> hurt. And the the one thing that you identified was the pace, and this one was just five rounds nonstop slugfest, and they threw down. Yeah. They just stood and traded. It was so exciting. It was such a great fight. I mean, like, yeah, the thing on, like, that hematoma on Joanna's forehead, which watching that heal over the course of, like, just her on Twitter was, (laughs) it took, it seemed like it took forever. Um, But the one thing, like, watching her get hit in that went in, like, slow motion, just like punches that would, (laughs) that Jay Lee would fire. I mean, it was just crazy because it was like, you know, Joanna, ever since she had lost the title to Rose, it it just had been really up and down for her. Like, she tried at 125 against Valentina Shevchenko to get the belt there and was unsuccessful. So, you know, she came into this fight and you were thinking that maybe she'd be able to reclaim it. But Zhang Wali had just trucked. Yeah, when she just absolutely trucked Jessica Andraj, um, like knocking her out. Was it? Yeah. 42 seconds in the first round, I think it was. It was absolutely absurd. Um, so she had a lot of hype kind of around her coming into this fight. And to see them just basically... I mean, because I think even with that fight, I thought Joanna won. And to see... It, but again, it was sort of one of those things where like I couldn't be upset that Zhang Wadley won that fight. Just yeah. because of the effort put in by both. Another one that went to split decision and at the end it... It, it seems like a fair result. Like the judges were split. We were split. I thought Zhang won. You thought Yoana yeah. won. And it's one of those where you really couldn't be upset at the decision because they both just put so much work in. And, you know, I often find some of the judges' decisions frustrating. I specifically remember the John Jones, uh, Dominic Reyes fight. Yeah. Yeah. And, when I watched that, I was just at the end of it. I was so convinced that Reyes won, and then it was John Jones unanimous. And I was like, either I don't understand how these things are judged, <laughs> or there's something wrong with this. But this is one where, you know, it goes to split decision. And it's like, yeah, that's fair. 
Yeah. I, I, there were some really weird decisions that happened this year. One of them being Paul Felder's other fight versus RDA, where someone actually gave him the fight, and he's like, no, I didn't think I won that at all. Chris Lee, the, the one judge who like continued to do that to where he got called out by Paul again when Paul was announcing in later fights. But with these two thus far of what we're talking about, I yeah, I understood that. So the third fight that I want to talk about is post-pandemic. It happened June 20th, and it was the Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos fight. Yeah, this is a fight we chose just because one, I mean, it was kind of clear who won at the end of it, I think. I think it was pretty obvious that so that Josh Emmett was the winner. I mean, credit to credit to Shane Burgos. Like, he landed some shots, clearly landed some shots. But it was the leg kicks that, you know, those are sneaky. Those are the ones that you're not always looking for. You know, you're always thinking about the big shots that are landed on the head. But, you know, Shane, you know, he, he, he definitely stuck in there. But at the end, I just, you know, it, it had to be Josh. And the reason why this fight is even as crazy as it was, you know, just even with the, with the, uh, the war that it was, it was Josh Emmett in the condition that he was in. Yeah. He broke all his shit. This dude had so many things going against him in this fight. And when I was rewatching it, it was just like, this is crazy. This dude has really bad tattoos, perhaps the worst tattoos in all of the UFC. I don't know enough to actually make that claim, but I'm going to stick by it anyway. They're pretty bad. And that has nothing to do with fighting, but he's got really bad tattoos. The second thing, he has ribs that are just jutting out of his body. And that's just the way he is, and that's totally fine, but they just seem like targets. It's like, I'm going to punch you right in that rib that is staring at me, yeah, and but I'm going to break that thing. Do you think you'd want to? I feel like that would hurt your hand a little now. I have no idea, but like, it just seems like targets on his body like punch me yeah. right in this rib and break it. Then, <laughs> we get to the actual fight, and in round one, he... Or, or I don't know when each one happened, but by the end of the fight, he's torn his ACL. He's sprained his ACL. Oh, that MCL. happened, I think, like in the very like first 15 seconds. Yeah. He tears his <laughs> ACL, sprains an MCL, and he suffers a... Yeah, you had to write that one down, didn't you? I did, because it's some weird thing. It's a focal impact fracture of his femur. I don't know what that means, but he broke his <laughs> fucking thigh. That sounds bad. That's like one of the worst things to break from my understanding. Yeah. And then on top of all that, in round three, he gets a huge nut shot. And then he comes back from the nut shot and he just fucking works Burgos. And it's just like, how is this dude still standing, let alone beating the shit out of this guy? It's like one of those adrenaline things where he's just so mad. It happens to him a lot. I mean, like where he just like, I'm pretty sure it was versus Jeremy Stevens. He got kneed to the face and it just broke his face. Like, it was... <laughs> no, this dude is just a straight-up warrior. And I was, like, standing there like, you know what? Even if you didn't win this fight, it's remarkable that you're still standing at the end of this. It's even more literally. remarkable. Literally. Yeah, like <laughs> literally standing. You're, you're your standing, legs are broken. You're standing on broken legs. All your CLs are torn. They're just gone. And you're still up. And not only are you up, but you're winning. And... I found myself at the end just thinking about Shane Burgos and like you inflicted all this damage on this dude and you still didn't win. Like that's got to feel so heartbreaking. <laughs> and I want someone to tell me something about Shane Burgos. It's like he deserved it, but apparently he's a really nice guy. And <laughs> well, that was kind of like when Michael Bisping beat. Um, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I'm just forgetting names at this stage. Uh, oh, Dan Henderson. 
um, in his first defense of the of the middleweight title, like <laughs> he his face was fucked up. Like Hendo almost had him in the first round. Like it was, almost, I think it was the first round, but it was like I think he nailed the, the was it the Hendo bomb or whatever it is, this flying elbow onto your face while you're laying down. Um, his face was fucked up, and Hendo literally said it. Yeah, I mean Bisping ended up winning the fight because he just won the you know he had the rounds. But it was just funny because, you know, Hendo just, like, went to the mic afterward and he was just, like, and put his arm around Michael Bisping. He goes, I wish they judge fights by the way they look afterwards. Because, like, in comparison, Bisping looked real fucked. There were a few of those. And, like, you know, at the end of the fight between Felder and Hooker, for instance, like, yeah. Felder looked a lot worse for the wear, but you still felt like he was completely... I feel like he beat him on points. Yeah, he still felt like it was right in the fight. And I forget where damage factors in, because damage does factor in, but, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, some people just wear it better, so it's it's yeah. a crazy thing. Um, But, yeah, that Josh Emmett-Shane Burgos fight, like, Josh Emmett, kudos to you <laughs> for surviving that thing, and not only surviving it, but winning. That is remarkable. Hope to see you back. Whenever I don't know. Legs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However fucking long that rehab is going to take. Remarkable stuff. What's the next one? The next one is actually one week later. Um, Poirier fights Dan Hooker. So Dan Hooker is involved in another one. And, you know, one of the cool things I just wanted to talk about before we get into the fight itself was Hooker was involved in two of these fights, so we rewatched both of them. But the Hooker-Felder fight took place pre-pandemic and had a crowd. And then this one, Poirier-Hooker, was post-pandemic and did not have a crowd. So, Beam, what was what was that like, that kind of um, juxtaposition between a fight that took place with a crowd versus without? I mean, it it's weird because I feel like... So, the pandemic fights, when there was no crowd... I think it was the interest there was to see just what that would be like. And it was fascinating. Just you can hear everything. Just skin hitting skin, just leather hitting skin. Like, you know, agreed. And the coaches, like, you can hear everything. You can hear the announcers. The announcers could hear, or the fighters could hear the announcers. So when the, um, when the Poirier, uh, hooker fight happened, I don't know if, I don't know if like that sort of novelty of it had worn off, but I will say it's that it watching violence like that or just watching a war like that without a crowd, um, it lets you really focus in on it, and it can it highlights it in a different way. But like with Felder versus Hooker, the crowd would because it was in New Zealand and with Hooker being from New Zealand, they went crazy at any moment. It looked like hooker was landing something or what have you they even booed when uh felder said he was retiring they didn't like the idea of that they loved him so much after that fight so that like that i think kind of maybe elevated that fight in a different way just because of that crowd and and it may have elevated the fighters themselves so the thing about the poirier hooker one it was just two dudes in a cage that like are fighting for their lives kind of thing for their livelihood and they fucking brought it and yeah. there's just there's just something very unique about that and something probably wrong with both of them. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, when we rewatched them both, that's the way I felt about it was I was like, you know, when I when I watch this, I think the Poirier Hooker fight is the better one of the two. But 
that crowd energy and the the Kiwi crowd bringing it for Hooker each time he's doing something and chanting his name. I think know, they were also chanting fuck him up. Yeah. And <laughs> like that energy, I had kind of forgotten about it because I was so busy watching these fights, you know, you just got without used to the a crowd. Pandemic. You got used to it. And then I was watching all sorts of NBA games in the bubble. And it was just like, I was just getting used to this. And I then, turned off the crap pumping crowd noise for the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when we rewatched it and that crowd energy, I was like, oh, man, it's so great having a crowd and like feeling that. And, you know, that's 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 really something. But this this Poirier hooker fight was incredible. This one. You know, I talked about how the the Hooker Felder one, the first two rounds were a bit, um, a bit blah. Like they weren't bad rounds by any means. It was the chess match part of it. It yeah. wasn't like the the, the drama of out. like the back and forth wasn't there yet. Exactly, but this fight was five rounds of just such epic pace, and and the story changed in the middle of the fight. Yeah, it started with Hooker who just came out strong. Landing a bunch on on Poirier and definitely giving him some props. I mean, Poirier, for his credit, was definitely landing, throwing some real like close in shots, like he was fighting in a bone uh, phone booth kind of kind of fight for for a little bit. And and but then somewhere you know towards the end of the second, it just you actually saw the tides changing a little bit. Yeah, and it was when it was when Poirier put Hooker into that guillotine choke on the attempted takedown and. Hooker came back to that to his credit. And just heard his head literally pop out. <laughs> yeah. And Hooker got out of it and then had a really nice flurry at the end of the second round there. So it was still that back and forth. But when he got him in that guillotine choke, it felt a little bit like the tides changing. And it was still a back and forth fight throughout. But I think that Poirier then won the next three rounds. And it was it was just a really great back and forth fight. Yeah. No. I it. It was one of those things where, like, I think it was Poirier's first fight since Khabib. And I have no idea what they're doing out there. Um, this is what happens, I guess, when you live in the city. Um, I thought it was wind at first, too. No, it just sounds like someone thrown around bins. Yeah, I think it's, it's the garbage fun. person. It's is garbage it? day. Oh. They're taking care of the uh, recycling. Okay. Um, yeah, Poirier just lost to Khabib uh, in, in, in a title fight. Like, it, you know, it didn't look like Poirier in that fight. But then he did. Habib he has a tendency to do that to people. Yeah, exactly. But in this one, it was like, well, he came, and, and then when it was starting off slow, you're just like, oh man, because <laughs> Poirier is our guy. Like, let's be honest, Poirier is our guy. Yeah. Ever since we watched that, we watched the Fightville documentary in the lead up to the Habib uh, Poirier fight. <laughs> getting getting all on our desk to Poirier shit before he just got wrecked. Yeah, and you know. He's been our guy ever since. I love Dustin Poirier. I think he's the man. So it was just like in in the beginning of the fight, it was like, oh man, you know, Hooker's giving him the business, and Hooker was very, again, like I said, a very good fighter. I, I thought there was there's certainly a chance, but then Poirier was just like, nah, I gotta, you know, he's his pace. He just, I think it was almost really like he knew he had to turn it on in the later rounds, and and did it did exactly that. He reminded us. Oh yeah, there's a dog in this dude, and this dude is still here to try and win a championship. Yeah, and it was something that the announcers kept pointing out throughout the fight about his creativity as a fighter and his ability, yeah. even when he's kind of in a tough situation, he's still able to get these shots in that hurt the dude. Like, you know, he's 
the he's, hammer, the weird hammer fist the that weird he just sideways does. hammer fist, like he's stabbing him in the temple yeah. when he's up against the cage. It's like it's those types of things that make Poirier just such yeah. an incredible warrior, and I, I just really love that dude. I think he's I think he's an outstanding fighter. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it. That's why I was just sort of unfortunate that you know that the. I mean, I guess there's nothing you can do with Khabib. No, there's just there's just nothing you can do. That dude is so dominant. It's it's ridiculous. So with the Poirier McGregor fight coming up in January next month in 2021, because guess we're getting out of this year, and everything's gonna go back to normal. January first, not a thing. All the problems are gonna be over. Uh, some people seem to believe that. Some people really <laughs> seem to believe that. No, uh, so but just seeing with this fight and. The one thing about Poirier is, and in a lot of his fights, he takes shots. He's got a chin on him. So how's it going to, like, I'm very curious now. I'm like, how's that going to go against McGregor? I don't know. And that's something when we were watching this fight last night that you brought up, and I was just like, I don't, he was eating <laughs> the shots from Hooker. I don't know if you can eat the shots like that from McGregor, because that dude hits so hard. Well, it's not that he just hits hard. He knows where to hit you. Yeah. And he's so precise. And it's so precise. You know, as much as I hate him, <laughs> he is still a very talented fighter. And so, you know, Poirier's our guy. I'm going to be rooting the shit out of it for him. But he broke, I am a little nervous. He broke Cowboy shit with, well, it was kind of his knee. But then elbow, but then shouldered him. Literally. Yeah, with his shoulder. It's, they, were, it's, they were strong. It's absurd. All right, so let's go to this fifth fight. And this is the... Bellator fight, Juan Archuleta versus Patchy Mix. And, you know, my first reaction, and I, I literally said... Was, said, what are we watching? <laughs> yeah, that, because, like, I have, I, you know... Yeah. Like I said, I'm a casual observer, so I don't do the Bellator stuff. And, but my, my other first reaction was watching this fight. I was like, these guys are so fucking good. Why don't we see them in, like, the big-time fights? Um, they were so talented, so technical. And this fight was really really great fight from like a technique standpoint like mm -hmm. you could you could learn a lot from it it was watching the ground like because it was a lot of groundwork from patchy in the beginning for sure um you know patchy came out real strong i mean he's, he's he's fairly young i think he's kind of sort of in the not beginning stages of his career but it, like his it's definitely early on um but he he looked like he was dominating juan archuleta on the ground and then juan archuleta just sort of you know, turned around, turned on his like kind of veteran experience. It almost seemed like, and, and, and was able to get the fight back on the feet um, and kept it there for the rest of the fight. Yeah. And that's, that was the crazy thing about this fight. Like it wasn't so much of a back and forth as the other ones. It wasn't this crazy slugfest. It was another one where you knew who won. Yeah. And it was very clear that patchy had won the first two rounds. I think yeah. he completely controlled it on the ground. And then, with like 20 seconds left in the second round, Archuleta is able to escape from Patchy, and Patchy's kind of up against the fence. And then Archuleta just lands this massive knee <laughs> right into his torso yeah. and then just unleashes a flurry. He was really good at kneeing a ground opponent, but not in the head. Yeah, in a legal way. And like just flying into his torso, landing this huge knee, and then a flurry of ground and pound after that and then the then the round ends but then after that it's just so clear it was all on that 
Juan had kind of just taken control of the fight in that moment. And then, like you said, he just got it back to the feet. And then the next three rounds were completely standing, and Archuleta just dominated those. I mean, Patchy was he, – he was still there. Oh, like, he was he still was, there, and yeah. he was eating the shots, and he was, you know, throwing – throwing him back but it was just it seemed clear to me that Archuleta kind of took control of that fight so for me while this one wasn't the like most entertaining and like a breathless sort of way the other ways the way that like these other fights were just pace and constant shots but I was very like fascinated intrigued by this fight just watching that kind of shifting tide that happened and then the way that it kind of developed as a storyline almost I, I thought that was very cool about this fight and it was also just a level of technique on display that was impressive and that both both of them possessed um and it's really cool to see that someone like patchy mix is still pretty early on in his career and uh that he could do some some exciting stuff i mean that's the one thing about bellator like i mean they don't have all like the crazy knockout artists i feel as much i mean they're there they definitely exist. I mean, the Pitbull brothers definitely have that ability, but they have some serious killers on the ground there. Um, and the other one being from McGregor's, uh, I guess, camp. Um, James, um, forgetting his last name. I know his is as the Strabanimal because he's from. <laughs> this is what he refers to. Oh, James Gall uh, Gallagher or Gallagher, I think. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, He's he's something. He's he's pretty early on in his career too, and he's he's a he's a force to be reckoned with on the ground too. So, Bellator has some really exciting stuff going on. I wish they would get more attention and, and more love. And but the problem is, is I don't know. People got shit to do. <laughs> There's already so many fights put on by the UFC every weekend. And 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 it, you know, UFC's got a lot of talent. But yeah, um, that fight that fight though in particular, um, definitely wanted to include that in the mix because I think I was listening to. Uh, uh, the most recent Between the Links episode on MMA fighting, and I think Jed Mishu, uh was the one that brought this. Jed Mishu, uh one of my favorites, because he introduced me to Fight Circus, um, which... You need to stop watching. I, it, it was really funny because he was saying, too, that he was going to put almost all of the Fight Circus fights on his top five list. <laughs> or make the three-on-one like in, within his top five. Ugh, that um, was terrible. It was hilarious. Uh but anyways, uh, he I think he had mentioned it because he too said he you know he didn't want it to be all UFC and I think that's a good point, is because there really are some great fighters outside of the UFC that that deserve attention. I think this particular fight was um, it definitely deserves a bit of a shout out and and, and recognition. Totally agreed. Um, so the last fight is the most recent fight from December of this year, and that is the Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno fight, and. The my first reaction, we watched this together. It was live, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was the pace on this, and I'm finding this with a lot of the flyweight fights. I think I just like flyweight the best because I felt they the have same so much way. skill. Yeah, I felt the same way during the Brandon Royval Kai Kara France fight. Mm -hmm. Like that first round was just breathless, mm -hmm. and it was incredible. And I was like, man, these flyweights, dude, like they just go at each other, and they have so much speed and so much skill and it's just really really cool to watch i don't know because we because mighty mouse came from that division that dude is amazing and i think the problem was he was just that much better than everyone else like just just levels beyond better than them 
um, I mean, even his fight versus Henry Cejudo, a lot of people thought Mighty Mouse actually won that fight. Um, but again, that was kind of another one where you can't be terribly upset, but I'm going to say he was robbed because Henry Cejudo is so fucking annoying. Like, used to be, used to find the cringe thing kind of funny. Now I hope he chokes on one of his gold medals. But, uh, essentially, um... I don't know if it's if it's Demetrius Johnson leaving the flyweight division that allowed this to happen, or leaving the UFC, I should say, uh, to 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 allow this sort of excitement to happen, or if it was Henry Cejudo, you know, bringing the spotlight when he fought T.J. Dillashaw um, for the title, and you know, then also retired after beating Dominic Cruz. I don't know if it was just they left room for these guys to like, because they you know they they'd been around. Bre- Brendan Marino like actually had been dropped from the UFC for a period of time and had to fight his way back in, and now he's fighting for a championship. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know why the attention is 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 now squarely on them. I, I don't know what has led to what has caused that. Yeah, and I mean, and how they're fighting. They're fighting too. Like they are getting after it. Yeah, and this fight was one that was just incredible in the back and forth. And it was one where we were watching it live and I just kept changing my opinion. Like every 20 seconds after an exchange, it was like, Oh, Figueredo's up. And now, Oh man, Moreno just came back and it was just so back and forth. And, you know, throughout the fight, I just kept finding myself feeling like, all right, Moreno has this, but then I'd look at Moreno's face and I'd be like, Jesus, Figueredo is fucking him up, and Figueredo seems He was fine. being like a Terminator, just walking him down. Like, he was taking shots. I'm sorry, Figueredo was taking some shots, but he was wearing it quite well. Wearing it quite well, and that, that was the thing that I think ultimately... I mean, it was called a draw in the end, and I think that was honestly right. f- a fair result. Yeah. Um, but the thing that, while I felt Moreno kind of had the fight... It was Figueredo who was controlling the pace of the fight and dictating the terms of the fight. Now, Moreno was doing a great job of coming back with shots and, you know, backing him off him. But every time Figueredo, like you said, just like a Terminator, just walking him down, coming back in right. every time. And it and was when, just it was just a great fight. When was it? The third round when he kicked Moreno in the nuts so hard that Moreno was like coughing yeah. to the point where you thought he might actually throw up his nuts? Yeah, and then, you know, that's when Figueredo he got, gets a point deduction, which I think was I think was the right move. Yeah. Because Figueredo had also gotten away with some other shit. I think mm-hmm. fence grabbing was one of them. I think there may have even been an eye poke, I don't know. <laughs> like I like, think he had to hit him in the nuts twice and one was just like not yeah. that serious. It was just like a little one. And, and this one, everyone just, felt it. Yeah, I felt it. it <laughs> you know, my nuts were in my throat and I was just yeah. like, Jesus. And then Moreno comes back from that. And then it's like the anger thing with Emmett and Burgos. Like, right. He just comes back with a vengeance and just starts throwing down with Figueredo. And it was one of those things where it was like, I. it was almost like you wonder if he knew what was at stake. He's like, okay, so because Figueredo had the first two rounds. Agreed. Um, I don't I Well, they were yeah. close, but I think he had him. I think he had him. I mean, I, I may argue the second. The third one I thought, like, actually, no, I'm sorry, not the second. I actually thought Moreno won the third. Like, even with, you know, everything that happened. I think it, it was a 10-9, and then it made it a 10-8 round. Right. It made, it, it did, yeah, and he made it a 10-8 and round. I, and I agreed with that. I thought yeah. Moreno edged that round. And then, you know, I think he won the fourth. 
Mm-hmm. And the fifth, this is the this is the part that sucks because it looks like Moreno broke his arm or like his shoulder or something, right? It was it was shoulder. Um, fuck, man. Like, and and some argue that Moreno was able to edge him out there at the end, but I think the draw is was perfect because. You know, arguably, Figueredo could have won without that point being taken away. And some still argued that he did win, even uh, with the point being taken away. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, I... Draws suck. It's actually one of my... You know, I'm a huge soccer fan, but, like, I agree that... It's the one argument that a lot of people have against it. And and I don't always disagree. Like, it is a 38-game season, so occasionally, like, it's, it's a tie. Deal with it. But... I do see why draws are frustrating. You want you want a win. You want your people to come out on top. And in this one... I didn't really have a person in this one. No, me neither. And, you know, at the end of the fight, given what each brought to it, it's like, well, they kind of deserve to share this fight because yeah. it, it was just such a back and forth and one that, you know... Both were incredible, and it's one that you can't really be mad at the draw. I thought I the draw was—I thought the draw was perfect. I think I wanted Brandon Marino to win just because his nickname is literally Assassin Baby. <laughs> Great nickname. <laughs> it's just like, and plus, like he's got some—he's got good energy on him. Um, and I know they're gonna redo that fight right away, which I don't know if I agree with that. Why I, not? So. I, I w- I've always been inclined to say, like, right after a, a close fight happens, and it's generally because my guy lost, that I'm like, yeah, I want the rematch right away. With this one, I kind of want them... I, I think they just need to have some time and see other people. <laughs> I, I, like... What I'm saying is, is, like, you know, to go immediately back into that, I think the storyline would be so much better just to watch if they go on divergent paths. And then we have the rematch at another, you know, not too far down the line. I mean, the problem with that is, or the risk you take there is, like, say one of them just falls off. Like, (laughs) just, you know, it doesn't go the way, you know, they're never in contention anymore. You know, Davidson loses the belt or whatever. But I almost just kind of want to let the storyline build a bit more before jumping right back into it. I don't know. I get that, but I do think it's important. I think that one of the things that you get is you get the energy carried over and a little bit of the frustration from each fighter about the draw because, you know, every fighter, when it goes to the cards, they always think they won in the moment. Right. And in right. this case, both has an argument to say that they did win. Like, yeah, Figueredo can be... Well, he shouldn't be upset about a point being taken away, but, you know, he's got... I don't think he really... I don't know if he contested it. No, he didn't. But, you know, you feel like you won that fight except for that point being taken off. Which is like, that so rarely happens, too, because it's so consequential. And I I think Herzog, like, that was a great move. That was a fantastic move on his part because, and I think it's like, that's the one thing, the joke has been made by some fighters where it's like, first nut shot's free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, and it was, and, you know, so Figueredo has, like, he has this energy of, like, oh, man, I would have won that fight if I didn't get that point taken away, and at the same time, Moreno feels like maybe he's a little bit shortchanged by the judges, and so you get that collective frustration from both of them and bring them back into the ring in a couple months' time once they heal up and train a little bit, like... Yeah, because they... So the crazy thing about this fight is that they had just fought on the same fucking card three weeks prior. Yeah. 
which that is absurd to me. Like to do that weight because it's hard for Figueroa to make make weight, let alone the fact that the man was in the hospital for thirty hours. You know, before the like before the fight, thinking that he might not be able to make the fight, and like I think it was after he cut weight. Like what? Like so, the man already struggles too. So he had to do a weight cut three weeks later again to make one thirty five and. They, you know, both of them, not really a training camp, just got right into it. And I think that's also the other thing, the story behind that and the fact that they still put on the fight that they did is remarkable. Agreed. Totally agreed. So, end of the day, we just went through six great fights, all of which have different elements to them. So, Beam, after rewatching all of these, which one... Which one is the fight of the year for you? At the end of the day, it's got to be Joanna Jacek versus Zhang Wali. That fight, like, there wasn't really any sort of storyline build up to it other than Zhang Wali had to figure out how to get there by, with, you know, because of all these different shutdowns happening in her own country with, the, with COVID-19. Um, but it was just... Crowd or not, I think it was just such... I, I imagine what that would have been like without a crowd. I think it would have made it that much more special. It just... It was that pace. And it was just the ability to keep that going. And just this determination by both women to not ever let up. And not ever take sort of like a back step. I mean, you know, Joanna almost had her a couple times too. Like in terms of like knocking her out. I think she wobbled her a couple times. and And it's just... I don't know. That's that's how how Joanna fights, and it was good to see Joanna fight like that again. But I don't think I've ever seen a war like that where it was almost so evenly matched. And I don't know. I just remember just being so impressed. And 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 what I think too is that if I'm still feeling that way, and I'm still having to wrestle with this at the end of the year with all the fights, you know, wrapped up. I mean, fuck it. Brandon Marino is even quoted, I think, on MMA Fighting saying, yeah, that's the fight of the year. So, And he was involved in a contender. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I'm partial to Poirier because that's our guy. And I'm partial to the flyweight division because I just respect the speed and skill of those dudes. But exactly what you said, like, that Zhang uh, Wiley and Joanna Janjacek fight. Like, there you go. Just, just remarkable stuff from both of them. The fact that they were both still standing at the end of that, the fact that Ioana was wearing that hematoma on her forehead and still, you know, some argue should have won the fight. Like, all of that stuff is just incredible. And over five rounds, they did that. Like, really... To fight like that for 25 minutes? Uh, amazing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And they they deserve the fight of the year is there is there a bonus that comes with that because they deserve a bonus i yeah i, th- I mean i think I they did a fight night bonus I, but like i fight feel of the year like bonus. give it to them i feel like i feel like dana white probably cut them a little bit more money just being like uh thank you they deserve it <laughs> i mean because that should be because what they do usc does they have their hall of fame they do them for fights like specific fights that is the, that has to be in there i mean I don't know. I, I forget what is considered like the greatest fight of all time. I don't see. I mean, and maybe it is recency bias, but I mean, I've been sitting with this one a lot. I, I don't know. I it, I think it's definitely one of the greatest fight, and and you can drop that monic that whole uh, qualifier of you know women's fight. No, 
This is one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. Yeah, regardless. Like, fuck, fuck all that greatest women shit. Like, yeah. this is just the best fight of the year, period. Yeah. Um, what What would you say comes in second for you, then? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think after re-watching Poirier Hooker, I think like, it's really Poirier, watching that. I think it's Poirier Hooker, and I, you know, that's that's what I want to say. I just don't know if that's like my Poirier bias coming in. Well, here's the thing. But it's a remarkable fight. So as much as like, you know, the figure eight Moreno one is, is certainly up there. As I was comparing it in my head, it's and it comes down to that fifth round. Yeah. And that's of no fault of their own. Moreno was injured. Like, <laughs> like yeah. who are we? He was still throwing that with that arm. You yeah. st- like trying you know, to survive. Trying, he was basically just in survival mode, and I, I'm sure Figueredo welcomed him. I mean, Figueredo definitely, you know, fought the way that he needed to to be able to, to at least retain his belt. But you didn't get that with the Poirier Hooker fight. They were still just landing with such viciousness. Like, I, I like, I don't. It was almost there is uh, is up there, but. I think it's just because these guys are these guys are bigger dudes and and they're gonna land with more power. I was almost thinking about it as fight of the year, but I was like, no, no. like you can't, you can't, you can't because. But but with this one, it was just yeah. I think it beats out Moreno and Figueroa for me just because of it went all five rounds with that pace. Yeah, and you know the one thing that sticks with me is Poirier after the third round, after he just got like. <laughs> He just got worked. He, he got worked. And he's just over in his corner, and he's like, yeah, I'm having a blast. And I'm like... Yeah, let's go, Jasmine. You having fun? Having a blast. <laughs> like, completely just pumped up about Stone-faced. it. Stone-faced. Like- <laughs> I just love that, dude. And, you know, that that energy of, like, they they were really having a good time fighting each other. Like the- They were ready to go more afterwards. Exactly. After the six... Well, round, at least like, Poirier was. I don't Poirier, know about Hooker. No, Hooker was not ready. <laughs> But after the after the fight was over, Poirier was like, "Yeah, let's keep going. I'm ha- I'm having a great time." Well, he told well, he told Dan to keep going. He was like, basically telling him he's a good fighter. Yeah, keep keep doing your thing, and and you're gonna you're gonna get up there. He was he was big broing him a little bit though. Well, he's yeah, like, that's he's because still, he's still got some work to do. Well, that's because Hooker was also talking some shit. Yeah. Like he was trying to get in get in Poirier's head in the lead up, and uh, yeah, Poirier 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 acknowledged that at the end, of course. But yeah, um, I, I I love. I love that whole setup. I mean, he he works with uh, Mike Brown over at ATT, and they just have a really good relationship as well. Um, yeah, so it's just everything about what that Poirier has going on for him, just fucking fantastic. That's why it's that's why it's it, it's, it's going to pain me to watch him fight. I mean, it, it'll it'll be awesome if he beats McGregor, but I don't know. Yeah, if I'm if I'm ranking the ones that we went through, I think Wiley is first. Yeah. Poirier Hooker is second, Figueredo Moreno is third, mm-hmm. Emmett Burgos is fourth, and then mm. I'd say the Archuleta mix fight, just because I don't want to include two Hooker fights. In oh, the I'm going to include five. two Hooker fights. Right. I think cool. I would replace it, I, I like, as much as I love the Shane Burgos-Emmett uh, fight, um, I think it just loses because of Emmett's tattoos. No, <laughs> uh, I, I I think it There's was... There's also only three rounds. It, which which I don't think should count against it to be perfectly honest because it didn't feel like three rounds. No, no it did not. Um, but I think it was just in terms of I don't know storyline of the fight. You didn't fo- you knew something was fucked up with Emmett. Um, 
but there was just something about and maybe it's a crowd I have no idea and it may be because I'm a Felder homer but I think I just I think I actually just disqualified myself on being able to replace it now but no um I don't know there was just something about that Felder hooker fight where it just so I mean my list would be the same as yours uh I would just swap out a hooker a hooker Felder and um Burgo Samet it's just I don't know I can't I can't be mad at that and last thing that I want to do real quick is you know I think we have two people that we've discussed quite a bit so far who are both have to be in contention for fighter of the year you know oh Figueredo was in four main card <laughs> headlining fights this year to finish three out of four of them and that is remarkable stuff and on the other hand you have hooker who is involved in two candidates for fight of the year i don't know if i would put him up there as fighter though no no um so so what makes that distinction for you well one he lost uh two he's not a belt holder because the other person that would be in contention would be kevin holland who i believe fought five fights this year damn and won all of them I think he won all of them. Hold on. Let me fact check. I mean, the problem, too, is that he just fought recently and it just wasn't as good as Big Rado versus Moreno. Who's or, just, or just like uh, Kevin Holland. Yeah. Um, May 16th. He started in May. May 16th beat Anthony, Anthony uh, Hernandez with... Uh, by TKO, then beat Joaquin Buckley, who was everyone's favorite because of the crazy spin kick that he did, mm-hmm. um, beat Buckley on August 8th, 2020, TKO, then beat Darren Stewart, who... That's I, our guy. That's our guy. We like him. We like him. He's nice. Yeah. But beat him by decision, just a split decision, in September, and then fought on October, Charlie Antiver- Antiveros... Uh, submitted him by slamming him. Yep, that's the dude he slammed. I'm sorry, I forgot about that one. He slammed, slam knocked out someone. That happened. And then uh, submission to slam. That was a weird uh, descriptor. And then bought, and then beat Jacare while coming up off his back and knocking him out. Thing is, maybe it's level of competition not as not as good as what Figueroa's fighting, who fought. Benavidez twice, and then Alex Perez, um, and then Moreno, um, and his were all title fights. <laughs> well, except the first one because he didn't make weight. Yeah, I mean, both both those are incredible achievements. But Hooker deserves a shout out he, because he deserves he's a, a shout fucking out warrior because he's a warrior. Like two fights that were just breathless, epic fights, so back and forth. You know, I. I wish Hooker nothing but the best in the future. I hope he gets a shot. Um, I don't know. It's going to be hard, It's going to be hard in that division. That, like, division, that division is ridiculous. Stacked. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I... Who is he? He's I actually I've, in line to fight someone soon. You know, I think I've got season tickets for Hooker now. Like, Oh, he's he's. I think he's trying to get a fight. I think there were talks of him fighting Michael Chandler, who is a Bellator uh, product. Nice. Yeah, which... Problem is, though... Michael Chandler's fucking good. Well, I, I'm just there 
I'm not saying Hooker's not my guy by any means, but like I want to see every one of his fights now if they're going to be right. like this. You know, I I'm there for it every single time. <laughs> Hopefully, he can be. I feel sometimes you do lose yourself a little bit after after fights like these. Yeah, no, for sure, and I just hope he keeps it going. Um, I mean, the flyweight the flyweight division. I'm really curious. The men's flyweight division. I'm really curious to see how that's going to go. Um, I like Royval. I, yeah, I do too. He's, I mean, he's, he's not there he's, yet, but no. he he's talented. Very good, very good. Um, yeah, so that's going to be a fun division to watch, and I feel like you got to do a, a a rematch at some point. Joanna versus Zhang Wali. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I'm there for that. Just needs to happen. But anyways, um, so that was fun watching all those fights back to back was was really interesting. Um. You know, 2020, as as we, we will probably say in our other, in our music wrap-ups and what have you, 2020 was a shit-fucking year uh, in a lot of aspects, and, but some really cool shit, and MMA being one of them, I think, uh, came out of it. Yeah, so I, uh, I always looked forward to Saturdays watching together, either, you know, virtually yes. and texting back and forth during the fights. Um, the Adesanya one was... One of them that was just like Paulo Costa, yeah, yeah. He he destroyed him, and I was just and then so dry excited. humped him. He dry humped him. Yeah, I I was just you know all those fights either virtually or in person when we watched them together, socially distanced of course. <laughs> I, I I had a great time, and it was something that I looked forward to is sharing those fights. So yeah, terrible year, but some really great stuff. Yeah, man. All right. So anyways, this is, we're wrapping up this bonus episode. Thank you all for listening. Follow us on all the different social media channels, which is really just Instagram and Twitter, which you know the names off the top of your head. At Back Porch Media, at Porchback Media on Twitter. Yeah. We, we couldn't get the regular handle, so we had to switch it up a little bit. But yeah, follow us on those. See what's coming up. Um, we got a lot of exciting stuff planned for 2021. Um, thanks. Bye. See ya.